Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. The Eyes to the Left. Hello and welcome to Eyes to the Left, the Mirror's regular political podcast. My name is Jason Beatty. I'm head of politics for Daily Mirror, and I'm joined by Alison Phillips and Nicola Bartlett, and we are going to discuss Prime Minister's questions and the other major political events taking place in Westminster. And there is only one subject out there at the moment. It is a feverish atmosphere down in Parliament. The MPs are only talking about the allegations of sexual harassment, intimidation, assault and bullying. And we should say they vary in scale, some horrific um, and deeply shocking, um, and some are less serious, we could say. But it's they come together, it's showing yet again Westminster in a particularly bad light. And obviously it was, we thought, going to dominate today's Prime Minister's questions, but it didn't, did it, Nicola? No, I think, um, although it was acknowledged at the start, Jeremy Corbyn... Um, made a deliberate choice to to talk about tax avoidance instead which i don't i don't think anyone was really expecting those to, that, that to be his line of questioning um and it was difficult to see whether he was kind of gaining any traction with that because it seemed so kind of left field um obviously related to the finance bill um which is going through parliament but it didn't it didn't seem to sort of tap into the mood in the way that he has done in recent weeks with his questions on universal credit. Yep, so we had a brief statement at the top of Prime Minister's questions, but the Prime Minister first acknowledged the terror attack in New York and then she mm. said, I am now holding a meeting next week with the main party leaders to discuss a new grievance procedure. And that was kind of it, a very perfunctory, because Alison was, why won't they want to discuss it? Well, it seems that on all sides at the moment there is still a real nervousness about this this whole subject because there's still uncertain as to how deep it's going to go and how wide it's going to spread. Um, but they're really going to have to grab hold of it now because it really isn't going away. Um, every day there seem to be more allegations, uh, more serious allegations, and it's not going to be a party political thing. It is across the board and they're going to have to grab hold of it. I mean, I think um, Theresa May has now said not only is she going to set up this independent panel, she's also encouraging victims to go to the police. Well, clearly, obviously, that's what's going to happen. But there's got to be the real confidence that this is now being dealt with seriously. And and I think one of the women who made an allegation um, yesterday that she was pushed onto a bed in a hotel room has said that the people that she spoke about when the incident happened are now the ones that are actually being put into trying to clear this mess up. So, so she's got no confidence at all. And why should anybody else if she hasn't? Um, and this is part of the problem. We have a, a hmm. kind of institutional problem in Westminster of a, a very, some would say, old-fashioned 
culture, yes. but also no proper procedures you'd see in most other companies nowadays. Yes, I mean, most other companies, there'd be a clear HR policy. Um, so if, if, if any allegation was made, it wouldn't be a question of somebody saying, oh, just keep it quiet because, you know, it's not going to do you any favours. There would then be um, a policy that any allegation such as this had to be taken to escalate it to the next level and looked at seriously. So so you've got that problem. You've got no proper HR structure. But on, on top of that, you've also got um, a what remains a fairly blokey culture haven't you yeah i mean the the initial problem is that um staff who work for mps are employed technically directly by well i think technically they're self-employed but they're employed directly by the mps so as you say there's no hr structure potentially if, if it's your boss who's the a person who is uh, accused of sexual harassment or or worse you who do you go to because they're the ones who actually employ you so there's Mm. you're you're very much kind of trapped in the situation and there's a kind of blurring of the lines between people who work for mps also kind of campaign for mps might have come up through um the youth wings of of Mm. of um the political parties might be ambitious to go on further in in politics so i think um, Kate Maltby's um, article in the Times today, um, where she was alleging that uh, Damien Green had acted inappropriately towards her. At which point, we should say very clearly, Damien yeah. Green has, has said these it. allegations are completely untrue. Um, as part of that, she she talks about him being a family friend and her wanting to meet up with him. Um, at I think mutually agreed and um, she was perhaps interested in pursuing a career in politics. So when he may have acted inappropriately, she didn't immediately think that she could do anything about yes, that. Yes, and where do you go? The parallels between politics and showbiz are fascinating. Mm. And it's, as with showbiz, you get a lot of young people going to politics because they love politics, they're fascinated by it, they want to be around it, it's the drama, mm. it's the intrigue. And so when something dreadful happens to them, not only have they not got a support network to fall back on, they're just, they just don't want that dream to come to an end. And by reporting what's happened, that's part of what's going to happen. But this makes them more and more vulnerable, doesn't yes. it? Yes. And it's exactly the same as we saw during the whole of the Jimmy Savile, all the DJs, all... And it's extra- what is extraordinary is after we went through all of that a couple of years ago, we're now going through it again. Well, look, I mean, I'm talking to, to people who are working in, in MPs' offices who have allegations against MPs who still don't want to, to raise it or come forward. But at the same time, they're worried that this is going to be pushed under the carpet and not dealt with, and especially this kind of conflation between um, if there are basically in reference to this so-called dirty dossier, which mm. is doing the rounds at Parliament which um, we don't know its exact provenance, but it's believed to be compiled by Tory staffers who um, who have kept lists of, of things that, that people have done. Now, some of those things are, are really awful and illegal. Some of those things are um, relationships between yes. MPs. Consensual relationships. Yeah, yeah. relationships. So the worry, I think, from, from a lot of people working in Westminster is that it, it will all going to get bundled in together yeah. and that might dismiss the very, as you've said, the very kind of problematic power dynamic which mm. is underpinning a lot of these problems. Which, it's, it's always that power paradigm underneath all sorts of sexual abuse. But I think that whole dirty dossier, as it's been called, is in, 
very unfortunate for want of a better word in that it has mixed up so many things some of which are entirely consensual mm. and absolutely fine other things which might be an extramarital affair which is possibly not ideal but it's not criminal yeah. and it's not it's not it's not terrible but and and then it's led to this sensation which seems to be becoming the narrative that it's all a terrible witch hunt but yes let's have a witch hunt for proper sex pests let's get them out but but not for people that are having affairs or just having perfectly sort of consensual relationships and the danger is it diverts a focus it, it, away from the genuine it, victims it, who need support and it allows that narrative that always comes out after sex offences that it's just women and they, they need to man up a bit and they shouldn't be such a snowflakey and, and that this sort of stuff's always gone on they should just give them a slap no women shouldn't have to give anybody a slap men should, shouldn't be doing it there's a real sort of, I think, in the reaction to this as well, there's a real sort of generational divide, yeah. um, especially in the media, in terms of some of the older women who are saying, well, I had to deal with it. Yeah, and, the Anne Robinson know, sort of yeah, argument. Sarah Vine's column today. Absolutely. Um, that you should sort of brazen it out and you should have the um, the wherewithal to, to be able to speak out. Now, maybe some women can do that, whether they should have to or not. Women well, shouldn't have question. to do that. And it shouldn't be succeeding in your career shouldn't be just about how tough you are or how prepared you are to go into physical combat with some fella it's to do with how talented you are at your job and I think that's why this argument always gets muddled and again it's now happening in politics and the other part of this is you then deter people who want to go into politics mm. to be good at it or any other profession for that matter from yeah. doing that Yeah, so I think the problem as well is that, that women and women do this naturally in a lot of environments is that they, they um, kind of self-censor or they, they yeah. judge themselves whether situations are going to potentially be problematic. Yes. So whereas a male colleague might go for a drink with somebody more senior, yes. get advice, get mentoring, yes. you know, be in the loop, as it were, are, what are we suggesting? Is it, is it up to a woman to say, oh, yes. I shouldn't potentially put myself in a problematic yes. situation? Thereby possibly harming her career. There's, you know, there's huge problems which are, have existed for years. This is a really interesting point because, I, as you know, I worked in Westminster for, for 16 years, and the the way it operates from a journalist's point of view is mm. that, that you know that the currency is drinks, it's yep. lunches, it's yep. you know it's meeting MPs to make contacts, who then you hope give you stories. Yes, and you know it, that can be quite laddy at times. Mm. But also, it's a kind of, you know, it's a one-to-one thing. So, you know, you're a young woman, that's, you're putting yourself in, in, in a possibly a difficult situation which you shouldn't have to put yourself in. Yes, it is. And that, um, and they've tried to do things, haven't they, within Parliament to make it more inclusive. Yeah. But there's there's obviously still a, a long way to go. Yeah. And probably worth saying that I've also heard of instances with young men as well. So it's Yes, but because, again, it comes down to the power, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and that's Definitely. what's being used. Now, do we think the response of the main party leaders has been sufficient on this? You know, as we should, you know, people now accept this is a problem across parties. You know, the horrific stories coming out from Labour, there's terrible stories coming out from Conservatives, the SNP, Lib Dems have got a history here as well. We go back to Lord Renard. So none of this is unique to any one party. Are we satisfied with the response? I, I, I'm not satisfied with the response. I think um, initially there's been a lot of um, people covering from for their own. Um, the response on Jared, I mean, that was well, it, 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 it was a, it was a similar sort of thing, but slightly different. What wasn't sufficient and it wasn't quick enough. I this think this is Jared Amara, yes. the Sheffield MP who replaced Nick Clegg, who made the misogynistic comments. Yes, yeah, so that was more comments rather than actually doing anything. But that was sort of that 
kind of was bubbling, wasn't it, a fortnight or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then since then, I mean, we've got Mrs May, who seems, well, she's paralysed in most things, but she's certainly paralysed in a lot of these names that are coming up. Um, I mean, Damien Green, again, he's denying it. So it's very difficult for her because he may be entirely innocent but people need to see action they need to have confidence and what the parties really need to do and they have said they're going to do this is they need to sit down together they need to change the systems they need to introduce a new culture it's it's parties can make a difference within their parties but it's the whole culture of Westminster that's going to have to change I think it was interesting today at Prime Minister's Questions with the point that Lisa Nandy raised. Mm. This was the first one question which kind of unsettled the mm. Prime Minister, I thought. Yeah, completely. And she was saying that she has raised the, I mean, particularly the issue of the whips culture yes. in Parliament um, and the idea that they are the kind of disciplinary uh, wing of each party. And traditionally they would kind of keep notes of, of people's misdemeanours so that they could... Um, encourage them to vote the right way, as it were. Um, and she was referring to, um, I think she brought this up in the House of Commons in 2014, um, in reference to a documentary which showed one of the whips from um, Ted Heath's government who admitted, it was a kind of documentary about the system, yes. and he'd admitted that they um, they knew all the bad things that people had done and, and um, quite sort of... Um, in, in quite a sort of blasé manner said that might be getting into debt or it might be problems with little boys um, yes. obviously implying uh, you know sexual abuse and Lisa Nandy said today that she brought it up with the Prime Minister three times including I think writing to her um, and that there had been no response um, and I think you know just the way that 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 she said that kind of did send a kind of shockwave through, through the Commons because you know there was kind of that's almost irrefutable proof that it has been brought up before and not not dealt with. Yeah, and as you said, the whips here are, are, are crucial. They're responsible for party discipline. They're responsible for getting MPs to, to, to vote in, in line with the parties. And they have this very odd dual role because they're meant to be also responsible for pastoral care. Mm. So they do discipline on one side and pastoral care, and those two are incompatible. <laughs> and as you say, information in those instances is leverage because they can use the dirt they know on MPs to force them to vote in a particular way and to be loyal to their, their party, which is a almost an abuse of power. Now, this yeah. is not new, mm. but it's it's been going on for a long time. And again, it's it's part of a kind of slightly rotten, antiquated culture of, of, of Parliament. Mm. It is interesting, though, I think, um, in Hollywood and, and then now in, in politics, in that why is this all coming out now? Now, OK, there's been a couple of cases which have led to um, a domino effect. But also... You can't get away from the idea that the the, the politic that the power uh, is shifting. So there are more women in Parliament now. There are more women in senior roles in Parliament. We have Hollywood. a record number. We finally it's, got to the case this year. We actually have more women elected than there have been. But yes, you know, all we have a previous election. Yes, I mean, that's how long it's, it's taken. But but and I think <laughs> that is what's that sort of what's kind of led us to where we are now because people are speaking out because they realise that the power is shifting, and. Um, it's not just talking about the power of the individual men. It's the it's the power within the system and within the culture is is shifting, and that means that, that you get to a tipping point where it's ripe for change. And that's why it's interesting that people are m- more likely to come out. I think there's also a kind of uh, more broader shift to believing victims in yes. these kind of issues. Yes, societally, yeah. And also, 
with the advent of social media there is more power given to people kind of at the bottom or not yes i mean i suppose the flip side of that is the danger of this witch yes. hunt idea but i think it it does mean i mean things like these whatsapp groups that a lot of people who work in parliament would be a member of it's very easy to share information yes and compare and contrast and if you know if you see a pattern of behavior i think the way in which people communicate and it's kind of helping um bring these kind of things to light really and for people because again a big reason why people never um make complaints about things because they think it's just them and they're on their own if you feel that you're not at all alone then that's much more secure position to be in yeah i do think you make a very crucial point i mean it's you know the parliament has changed dramatically from when i first arrived it still felt a very tory kind of private school yes kind of part hogwarts part oxford college place Uh, and and you know now it's much more diverse in its representation there's a lot more women it feels younger it's got a long long way to go it still doesn't look like london for instance yes uh and you know representation is still from from a very privileged kind of background majority of mps there but it feels better Mm. and there is improvements and i think you know hopefully that will bring changes it's the, the question i guess is where this particular episode ends what do you think well the difficulty for Theresa May here is, is and to a certain extent for Jeremy Corbyn, particularly for Theresa May as she's in government, is they're not in control of it. Mm. And that's what they really found difficult with the expenses scandal, is where one of the analogies of this works, is that they don't know where the next piece of information is going to come from or what form it's going to take. Mm. Now, they'll be praying there's no more, mm. but they just can't guarantee that. And then it becomes very political and um, because the people so far involved who've been named yes. are particularly Damien Green are, you know he's Theresa May's closest ally she, he's basically restored her confidence and restored yes. the, the fun- ability of Downing Street to function after the election debacle so she doesn't want to lose him and if she does have to lose him uh, you then have a you're talking about reshuffle territory mm. and that means you then destabilise the whole government, in terms, yes. which is already kind of buckling under the pressure of Brexit anyway. So the, the, the big, there are big, big stakes at place here. I mean, I don't want to kind of in any way kind of you know minimise the damage of the victims of this. But I'm just saying yeah. a big yeah, political picture. Absolutely. It's fascinating. Um, so, but as I say, we just don't know because no. you know in the next five minutes, some new allegation could take place, which could you know be on a different scale to, to what we've had before. And also, I mean, the Damien Greenmont is, is, is interesting because you've got a named woman who's made an accusation and then we've got his absolute flat denial. Now, I don't know how you take that forward from that point. I mean, if she were to go to the police, possibly, I don't even know whether that would be pursued by them. I mean, the chances of some kind of criminal conviction, I would imagine, are fairly slim. Um, so it, at that point, what, where does that leave with Theresa May? I mean, he's not, you know, he can argue I haven't done anything wrong. So does she just, on what grounds could she move him? Well, a- Anna Subri was quite interesting, the Tory MP, it was quite interesting on this because she was saying, I used to be a kind of uh, an employment barrister mm-hmm. and the, the normal HR practice yes. in a firm is you, even if you're completely innocent, you step aside while the investigation yes. takes place. Yes. Again, in Parliament, these rules don't apply. Mm. But, which I thought was quite interesting. And I think as well, the, the issue is with with the alleged Damien Green um, situation is, is there is a text message which mm. he does not dispute, 
but he disputes the interpretation and the context of it, of it yeah yes. and the context and that's what makes um, issues around sexual harassment so difficult because yeah. that is either what somebody truly believes or it is a very good way of, of, of getting mm. out of a situation I mean you, you hope that some of the outcomes is some of the um, women who have made complaints feel that some form of justice is done either internally or in, in the courts but beyond that you would hope that there is a new set of rules established and that people just realise just behave I mean, yeah, one of the things that, that Yvette Cooper suggested today on, mm. um, on today's programme was um, having uh, an independent body. So she was suggesting that, that the Labour Party could have a charity or another independent body so that you weren't in danger of reporting um, any allegation to somebody who might know the perpetrator or have any connection with the perpetrator, which I think sounds like a start. But my worry would be if they introduce rules um, in theory to protect... Um, potential victims is that it will end up hurting women or people in vulnerable position because those meetings or those conversations will still happen but they just won't uh, happen officially it will be yes, it let's will have a quiet drink up. somewhere else rather than but how doing it on parliamentary time other organisations, other businesses can manage to do it but they can't, but the MPs can't in fact, I, in, in some ways, I think this whole idea of having an independent um, body that it could go to, isn't that slightly overcomplicating it? Don't they just need to just have something internal which is robust? And I, I think I, mean, I think it's partly they've just lived outside the normal rules for so long. Yes. Why don't they just they, have they, an I, HR department? I, you know, they talk about the Westminster bubble as a kind of you know political entity, but it actually is a village down there. It's, you know, you're locked in yes. this, this building. You know, you have special passes to get in. You've got hairdressers, bars, yes. restaurants, post offices. You know, you are in yes. this little kind of, kind of, you know, kind of own little kind of semi-sphere. Uh, and they then behave in a way... Which most normal people would behave. Yes, yes, yes. And then throw into that this very heedy mixture of, of, of risk and power. Yeah. You know, they are and alcohol and alcohol. An they issue. are natural risk takers. They politicians. Are. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they've taken a great gamble to get the job in the first place. So, and and also you think very, very important. They're all highly <laughs> ambitious. Yes. You know, even with some of the lowliest backbenchers I've met, who I would kind of you know dismiss, I wouldn't even let open my kind of mail for me because I thought <laughs> they're so incompetent. Still think they could be prime minister. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. fascinating. Yes. And it yeah. which just means that it's been ripe for these kind of allegations to to come forward. And, and as we know that these sort of things have been going on, but but now they've got to be tackled, haven't they? Yeah. That's a really interesting conversation. Mm. I thought, and kind of, kind of, very different to some of the other podcasts we've done yes. in nature. But, but, but the, I think the subject kind of merited it as well. Yeah. Uh, and you know, kind of, and for once we've barely mentioned Brexit, which must be a first. Oh, yes, that's a relief. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute relief. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you very much for that, Alison. Um, you are on Twitter as um, at Mirror Alison. And Nicola? Nicola R. Bartlett. I am at JBT Mirror. Uh, you can download the post for podcast and register and give your views at uh, www.mirror.co.uk forward slash eyes. That's A Y E S. Thank you very much for listening. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nuggets burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King.